Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. I like it. All right. So you're alive. You're here. You're awake. Let's do it. Come on. We're going to get into the word today, our second week on Raise Them Up. And this is a parenting series. So if you're not a parent, I want you to know that this isn't just about parenting. This is also about you and your personal walk with God. Everything I'm teaching on is not just a way to parent. It's also about you as a disciple. How do I become a disciple of Jesus Christ? And how do I prepare if the Lord does have that in my future to be a mom and a dad or a parent or whatever it might be? And so we're going to get into it today. I'm going to share with you uh, some things from my experience of parenting over the last 13 years. Some of you have been parents a lot longer than me. I don't claim to be an expert. Uh, I am on the same journey you are to try to parent great children. Uh, but these are some things the Lord has spoken to my heart that have helped me navigate our culture that we're in these days. We talked last week biblically. Basically, the premise of last week's message was this. You cannot be a great parent until you learn to be parented by God. You cannot disciple your children or discipline your children until you've been disciplined by God. You cannot be the parent that you desire to be until you let God parent you and correct you and encourage you and, and align your life with Christ and his word. And this week we're talking about cultural stuff. I'm going to talk about three areas, three specific areas that I believe uh, statistically have uh, created the, 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 the largest challenges in parenting. And if we can address these three areas, I think we're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. The first one is education. The second one is social media and digital ex uh, uh, experience. And the third one is friendships. We're going to talk about these three things. But before we do, I just want to share a few biblical thoughts with you, some things that might challenge you today to help you understand what's really involved in this idea of parenting in a, in a current culture like we're experiencing today. I don't know about you, but sometimes my kids come home and sit around the table and tell me, uh, Ezra specifically, what's going on at school, and my jaw drops sometimes. I mean, my God, I can't believe you're talking about that in your school. I can't believe you're learning about that, talking about that, having these types of conversations. That was not the world that I grew up in. How do you feel sometimes that our world is just a little bit backwards, <laughs> a little bit upside down these days? Down seems up. Up seems down. I believe that Canada has become a post-Christian environment. We found that uh, it may have been founded at one time on biblical moral values, but we find that our country has no longer uh, founded itself on the biblical realities. And we look at our government, we look at education, we look at the structures of our city and our society, and we recognize that no longer are these things founded on the Bible, on, on, uh, on the ideas of God and Jesus Christ. And we should not be shocked at that reality. It shouldn't become as a shock to us that the world that we're facing today has slowly and, and become a world that is no longer founded on God or his word. Paul said to Timothy, in the last days, mark, the, mark my words in the last days, and he lists off all these things. This is what's going to happen. We shouldn't be shocked when our world no longer lives according to God's word. We shouldn't be shocked when we no longer in an environment that teaches the values and the morals written in God's word. Now, Today, I run the risk for many of you looking at me who don't know me very well into thinking that I am coming today as a uh, conservative, uh, charismatic pastor who wants no one to be involved in anything secular, that if you walk outside and you sing a secular song, you're going to hell in a handbasket. 
I don't want anyone here to think today that I'm insinuating that our engagement in culture or our engagement in social media or our engagement in education or our engagement with friends who don't know the Lord insinuates that I don't think we should be engaging in those things. That's not what I'm saying. I believe we need to be a church that is one foot, uh, one foot in the, the, the church and one foot in the world, and we need to be aware of what's going on in our world, and we need to engage them. And do you want to know why? Because people need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That if we pull ourselves out of the culture, out of fear, we pull ourselves out of the culture, out of the unknown, then what we're doing is we're running away from the mission that God has us on to reach a world and a generation that doesn't know the Lord. So you and I don't have to be afraid. You and I don't have to worry. There's one thing that I want to start off with today is that many of us in this past this parenting survey I did, one of the greatest fears was the fear of the future. I want you to know something today. You don't have to be afraid of the culture. You don't have to be afraid of what's going on in our world. You don't have to be afraid of the politics. You don't have to be afraid of the COVID. You don't have to be afraid of, of, of all these different conversations about sexuality and about all these different biblical things. You don't have to be afraid. The only thing you got to be afraid of, you got to fear the Lord. The only thing that you and I have to make a commitment to do is to serve God and to serve his word and to be obedient to his word and to, to fear the Lord. That is the only thing biblically you and I need to fear is fear God. We should not be afraid of the world. We should not be running from the world. We should not be feeling like we have to protect and insulate our children from the world. Why? Because we are followers of Jesus Christ. Christ overcame the world. He was buried in the ground and he rose on the third day. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and I. We do not have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I'm going to share with you a few thoughts today that if you do these things, and I, I'm, I'm giving you a, 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 I'm not going to give you a money back guaranteed, okay? I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Should I give you a money back guaranteed? <laughs> I promise today, I, I promise you, because of the word teaches this, that if you do the things that I'm teaching you today, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry, parents, about the fear of the future and fear of the culture and fear of what's going on. You don't have to worry. So we take a moment as we look at the story. We look at um, the story of the people of Israel when these people who were called by God, the Jewish nation, they were, uh, they were living in a place of Egypt where they were foreign gods and idolatry and all these things. And God came through uh, Moses, who is a type of Christ, came to redeem them out of Egypt, out of the old way of thinking, out of idolatry and worship, other, worshiping other gods. His chosen people, his church, he pulled them out of Egypt and pulled them into a new future and wanted to bring them into the promised land. And the goal was that Moses would lead them into the, 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 the desert. And the original plan was, as they would be in the desert, for about a year and a half. They would face one enemy, the Amalekites. They would beat the Amalekites and then they would sit around the mountain of Sinai while God gave Moses the law of God, how to follow me and how to, how to go into the promised land. And then they were gonna go into the promised land. It would take them about a year and a half. But as you know, it took them about 40 years. And it took them 40 years because there was a lot of different mindsets and perspectives and ideologies and idolatry in their life. And they ended up, ended up not truly serving God, and it took them 40 years. 
Moses wanted to teach them, okay, guys, when you come into this new promised land, when you come into this new nation, there's going to be giants, there's going to be culture, there's going to be other gods, there's going to be all sorts of scary things that you're going to face. And I want you to know today that you don't need to be afraid because if you do what I'm about to tell you, you will see prosperity in your children's children's children and they will serve the Lord. And so Moses began to teach them on this reality and he brought them to a portion of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, right here in my notes. I'm going to get there. Here we go. Verse 1, it says this. Okay, people, parents, as you go into this new land and this new place where there's culture and society, that it really doesn't revere and honor Yahweh as God. I want you to know that the commands and decrees of the law, laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe, to do and obey in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. Do you see that this is generational? Yeah. This isn't just about you or your children. It's about your children's children. As long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I gave you, and so that, so that you may enjoy a long life. Come on, somebody. Amen. And then it says this. Hey, Israel. Hear Israel. Be careful to obey. Hey, Israel. Be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of our ancestors, promised you. These commandments that I gave you today are to be on your hearts. He says, now let me teach you how to confront the culture and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here we see that he's trying to help them understand, okay, as you go into this new culture, as you go into this environment that doesn't revere a Yahweh as God, they don't see Jesus Christ as Lord, they don't see him as the King of Kings, an environment that has multiple different gods, you need to observe the Word of God, the commands that I'm teaching you today. Now, in our context, that is the Word of God. Observe the Word of God, obey the Word of God, so that what? So that they will fear the Lord. And as they fear the Lord, the Bible says that it will go well with them, that they will increase, that they will see prosperity in their life, and not just their children, but their children's children, that as you go into this new culture, let the Bible be something you impress upon your children's hearts at all times. See, but I took out a verse in between this very section, and I want to show it to you right now. Because what Moses was trying to do is say, there's two things that we need to do as we come into this culture. As you live amongst the culture and the society, he identifies something else that's very important for you and I to recognize when it comes to parenting our children in today's day and age. And it's in verse four and five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, I need you to hear me now that there will be many differing gods that are happening throughout the world, many differing religions, religions, many different idolatry, but our God is the one and only living God. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That there is no way to a relationship with God except through Christ. 
He says, it's important you recognize that in your impressing upon your children's heart, you teach them that there will be many idols and many gods and many things you can give your life to, money, career, sex, drugs, whatever it might be, all these different things, the ambitious pursuits of more and better, the ambitious pursuit of life for myself. You can have all of these things in your life, but you must remember that there is one living God, there is one Lord over your life, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he says... To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So Moses says, "Okay, you got to learn to be. You got to observe the word of God. You've got to teach the word of God so that your kids fear the Lord. But now you got to remember, this is all about worship. You're teaching your children how to worship the living God. Now hear me. If you don't teach your children to worship the living God," someone else will teach them to worship another God. It is our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ to not only worship the Lord, our God, with all our heart and soul and strength, but to remember that this idea of teaching our children to worship the one and only living God is primarily our responsibility that every single person on the planet worships something Even if you're not spiritual, even if you're not religious, even if you call yourself an atheist, it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist. Every single person on the planet worships something. You worship God. Maybe you worship God, but you also worship yourself. Maybe you worship career. Maybe you worship money. Maybe you worship accolades. Maybe you worship, maybe your sex or social media or popularity. Whatever it might be, we all worship something and we have to make a decision. I will worship Jesus and Jesus alone. He's got to be the first and only God in my life. Every one of us worships something and we have to remember that we live in a culture that does not revere and worship Jesus Christ as the one and only God. Now listen, I'm not saying to you that you shouldn't watch Netflix or shouldn't watch Disney+. Plus. I'm not saying to you that I watch it too, so hear me. I'm not saying eradicate all media from your life and live in a bunker and eat canned beans for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. Do you know that most of the producers and most of the writers of all of these shows are people who do not know the Lord? People who are authors of these music and authors of these these great TV shows we watch, and I watch them too, so I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying as a parent, you have to remember that if you're not teaching them how to worship, a producer in Hollywood will. The answer is not to eradicate it from your life because your children must learn how to make a decision of right and wrong. You cannot keep them from the culture or they will get into the university. Statistics show that on average, the highest percentage of young people that fall away from the Lord are those who go to university who were highly sheltered from the culture that they were living in. The answer is not run. The answer is not fear. The answer is teach your children that in this case, this does not honor and worship the Lord. Therefore, we will not allow that in our life. We have to teach them to worship. Teach them to serve the Lord. And Moses was trying to show them this. Moses was trying to help them understand that as you come into this culture, you're going to face many gods and many cultures and many things. Don't be afraid. Just observe the word of God for yourself, dad, mom. Observe the word. Teach them the word, and they will fear the Lord. Teach them this is about worship, son. 
the reason I don't want you listening to that song and I'd rather listen to this song is because the person that wrote that song doesn't know the Lord. And it's a great beat and it's a great song. And I even like to dance to it every now and shake my tushy to it. But at the end of the day, we've got to make sure that you're filling yourself with songs about Jesus. And we, yeah, that's a great book, son. I love that book. It's awesome. But, but hey, I want to encourage you, fill yourself with the word of the Lord. Remember, we worship Jesus and no one else and nothing else. We have to teach and train our children to think like that. But you have to be doing that in your own life, too. Now, if we fast forward a few years later, the people of Israel did not obey God's word. As they came into the promised land, they kept idolatry in their life. They didn't obey God's word, all these different things. And so they were sent into a season of captivity. The Babylonians, which is a, 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 really a nation that represents the godlessness culture, Babylonian culture. And I could go into a big thing about how Peter called Rome Babylon in his letter to the, Peter wrote a letter and called Rome Babylon and how Babylon is the godless culture that, that does not exalt God. And so here's Babylon. They were captive in Babylon for 70 years and God came and said, okay, they began to repent and they repented about 35, 40 years in, but God didn't remove them from Babylon. He kept them there for 30 more years so that they could learn to live amongst the culture. And as he brought them out, Nehemiah and Ezra were called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in the presence of God in Zion where God's presence dwelled. This was the place where the manifest presence of God was, the covenant, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant. And so Nehemiah and Ezra began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and rebuild the temple in this place so that they could have a place where, where the people could worship. And as he went around, he began to teach them once again what Moses had taught. Moses taught them the things about God. And Moses taught them to revere the word of God. And Moses taught them to worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone. He taught them these things. And Nehemiah was trying to teach them these things too. But Nehemiah stepped back and he looked at the people of Israel. And he looked at the church of God. And he had an observation. This jumped out at me like a 3D image. Look at the scripture in Nehemiah chapter 13. It says, moreover, in those days, Nehemiah was recounting his experience. I saw men of Judah. The word Judah in Hebrew means praise. It's the language of praise, the language of worship. So these were men who worshiped Yahweh. The men of worship, they were, they were, they were intermarrying with women from Ashdod, which God was Dagon. Dagon, the way to worship Dagon was to sacrifice your children at the altar of Dagon. Also Ammon and Moab, they also, to the God of Cheshmosh, Molech, Genesis chapter 22. I'm getting into some deep stuff here, but Genesis chapter 22, you'll find that that's why God asked Abraham to sacrifice his child because Abraham grew up around the Cheshmosh God. So he was used to giving children sacrifices. So these gods, these cultures were sacrificing their children. And here Nehemiah looked at them and said, I recognize that the men of praise, the men who of worship, were intermarrying with the other culture. Look what he says. Half of their children, now this is the parents, let their children intermix with the culture. And now their children, half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples. Look at this. And did not know how to speak the language of praise. This isn't the parents. This isn't the parents' children. This is the parents' children's children who did not even know the language of the kingdom of God because the parents allowed their children to intermarry with the culture. It was no big deal. Uh, the intermarry, it's not a big deal. Yeah, come together, be one. No, that's not okay, church. And I'm here to tell you today, we have to make a conscious decision that we are gonna teach our children the language of praise, the language of the kingdom. 
We will not allow our children to intermix with the culture in a way that destroys their mindset and their heart before the Lord. If, if you don't parent them in this culture, and if you don't take the responsibility to train your children to worship the one true God, someone else will. It's our responsibility. So we look and see these three things I want to talk about very quickly today. The first one is education. Are they learning to fear and worship the Lord in their education? Remember, that's the point. The goal was to get them to fear and love the Lord. To get them to come to a place where they didn't just not do bad things, but they had a heart change where they didn't want to do certain things because they wanted to fear and love the Lord. Are your children being taught the fear of the Lord and worshiping the Lord in their education? Look at this, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs uh, 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction as followers of Jesus. Yes, math's important and English is important. Trust me, we want to get you into a great university so you can get a great job. Absolutely, we believe that. But remember, as followers of Jesus, the foundation of our knowledge is not just knowing more, is the fear of the Lord. And as we fear the Lord, we have to remember that we have uh, teachers. Now, I want to give a little shout out to our teachers. Come on, I know, I, I know I can only one I can see here right now is Julie is a teacher. Uh, anyone else teachers? Wave your hands at me. Amanda. I want to give a shout out to all of our teachers who love the Lord. I also want to give a shout out to the teachers who maybe don't know the Lord, but they're great teachers. Mr. Polsky is my example. My son's teacher is a, a male, great figure. I don't know if he knew the Lord, but he was just a great guy. So when you hear me, I'm not saying if you don't know the Lord, you're evil and satanic and leading my children to hell. What I am saying is this. Our children spend six to eight hours a day being mentored and pastored by a teacher who doesn't know the Lord. You got to make sure that you're aware of that reality, that your children are not going to a public school to learn about God. So where are they going to learn it? They need to learn it in your home and they need to come to church. They need to come to our kids ministry and to our youth ministry. 75 young people in our church are being pastored by Pastor Jesse. Somebody needs to pray for Jesse. We need to bring them in your home. You need to pastor them in your home. You need to educate them in your home. You need to lead them in the word educate. In, in the Hebrew word for educate is the word train. Last week, Proverbs 22, 6, train them up in the way they should go and they will not depart from it in their old age. Educate them in the way of the Lord. This needs to happen in your home. You need to be educating them about the fear of the Lord. But not only that, that's why we have the church. The church's purpose is to educate young people to serve the Lord. So you say, Ryan, I don't like church attendance. Well, it ain't about you, sister and brother. It's about your children. Your children learning to know and love the Lord. And that's why we exist as a church, to help you as a parent, to know the Lord, to teach your children the Lord, to teach your children to serve God. We need to recognize something that we have a question. What's right, Ryan? Here I go. I'm going to tell you what's right. What's biblical? Public school? Christian school or homeschool? How many of you think I'm going to give you a, an answer? <laughs> What's right? I'm ready for my subscribers to go way down. Just kidding. My daughter's in public school. Or my daughter, my son is in public school. I got to write the first service, so I am aware of what's going on in our home. My son is in public school and my daughter is in Christian homeschool. 
And why did we choose that? Because we know what's best for our children at the time. My son has been preaching, my son and daughter have been preaching Jesus for, for many years. Brea has led several people from her school to the Lord. The young girl was a Muslim, gave her life to Jesus. Her dad came the following Sunday, keen to hear the word of God. I preached the gospel and he gave his life to the Lord. We've seen salvation, preaching the gospel through our young children, preaching the word of the Lord in public schools. But my daughter came to me and said, Dad, I've been preaching about Jesus for, for several years. Dad, I've been a light like you taught me to be, but my soul needs a break. She says, Dad, I just want to work on my personal relationship with the Lord. you got to remember, you're the eight-year-old and you're seven-year-old. They are immature baby Christians and cannot survive the bombardment of our culture unless you support them. The value of a Christian school or a home school is that we can control what they're learning and control the environment and to raise them up in the way that they should go. The danger is, is that we as parents abdicate our responsibility so that the Christian teacher can be their pastor. You are their pastor. Pastor Jesse is not their first pastor. You are. Pastor Jesse is just supporting you. Please don't drop your kid off on a Wednesday and say, oh, my parenting and pastoring is done. No, she's only here to support you not do it for you. Do not expect the Christian school to raise up your children in the ways they should go. Don't expect it. Hope for it. Pray for it. That responsibility is on you. Public school, many of you can't afford to send your kids to Christian school like we can. And I can't, and, and, and our kids, have, but you know what? My kids get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with their friends. But it might not always be the case that as it's in public school, we want to see how his soul is doing. That's what you got to monitor. Stick a dipstick in their soul. Give them a little test and say, son, how's your soul doing? Here's my takeaway for this, for this, this point here today. Is this. Redeemed dinners, car rides, and family days impress God's word on their hearts. Our family has dinner together every single night together as a family. It might be fast food on the way to church. It might be a quick little granola bar. It doesn't matter. We, have, we, we, we sit together every single day, and our Monday is our family day. Don't talk to me on my, my Monday. It ain't about you. It's about my family. I'm just kidding. Take it easy. <laughs> Redeem your family dinners. At these family dinners is where I talk about sex, homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, this is where I talk about uh, politics. I talk about all that's going on. I talk about global warming. We talk about, um, we talk about uh, murder and, and incest. And we talk, you're saying, Ryan, this is disgusting. You, guess what? If you don't talk to your children about these things, guess what? Their friends will. Their teachers will. Other people will. Social media will. You be the first to get to the punchline about sexuality Teach them about transgenderism. Teach them about what the Bible says. Teach them about these things. My children know more about sex than most people in this room. And they've known it for many years. Why? Not because I want to make them no longer innocent, but because I believe that if I don't expose them in a healthy way to culture, they're going to hear about it from someone else who does not have Jesus in mind. Stop being afraid of sexual matters. God created sex. The Bible teaches us exactly what we should do. Don't be afraid. Use your dinner table. Use your car rides. Use your family days to impress God's word on their hearts. Don't miss this opportunity to pastor your children, educate your children. Here's a second thought here today. Social media, here we go, in digital media. 
Are they learning to fear and worship the Lord through their digital experience? This is my concern. The internet and the social media is so new that we have no clue what it is doing to our young people. Now, I'm not on social media. I haven't been for five or six years. That was a personal decision I made. If you're on social media today, my message is not get off social media. That's between you and the Lord. My message isn't stop watching TV. That's between you and the Lord. That's not my message today. But I do want to bring you to an awareness. Many, my fear is today that there's so many people in the room that are so technically um, clueless when it comes to technology. My wife's had the same phone for five years. And she won't change because she doesn't know how to turn any other phone on. <laughs> My wife should not be in charge of digital discipleship in our home. But many of you today are like, I don't even have any idea how to do this. Figure it out. I don't need rude, but figure it out. We need to figure it out. We need to figure it out together. Because you'd be shocked at what's happening on the digital world. Look at a few of these statistics. 2020, Pew Research reports. Two top reasons given for increased difficulty in parenting, technology in general, and social media. The number of social media users in Canada increased by 2.4 million between 2020 and 2021. Kids under eight are spending almost an hour a day on the phone. Eight to 12, almost six hours. Teenagers, nine hours a day, not including their schoolwork. Surveys show that 90% of teens ages 13 to 17 have use of social media. They report, 75% report at least one active social media profile. 51% report visiting a social media site uh, at least daily. Two-thirds of teens have their own mobile devices with internet capabilities. A 5,000-person study found that higher social media use correlated with self-reported declines in mental and physical health and life satisfaction. 67% of teenagers know how to actively trick their parents on what they're actually using their phones for. After examining kids and teens using social media, research reveals that it causes a loss of sleep, trouble concentrating on tasks, less physical activity, feeling anxious or depressed, feeling envious of the lives of others, and feeling frustrated or angry about their life. In 2017, Facebook's founding president, Sean Parker, said publicly that the company set out to consume as much of the user's time as possible. He claimed it was exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. This it's about worship. See, Ryan, what's the purpose of social media? To get everybody connected? Money. Who is the product? Your children. Don't be naive. The internet's not going anywhere. Mark Zuckerberg just came out with Meta, rebranded Facebook. Meta is a real thing and will be a reality in our world where they're building, if you've ever seen the movie Ready Player One, that is happening. They are trying to connect us digitally so we disregard our real life. Why? Because we need Jesus in our real life. In virtual reality, I can be and do whatever I want. We've got to recognize today that we are facing something amazingly uh, uh, scary for our future. Do not let technology come to you. You take control of the technology. Now, I'm not going to go into this because of time. But I believe, my own opinion, on my own study, that, that social media has a spirit attached to it. It's called the spirit of Nimrod. Am I calling Mark Zuckerberg a Nimrod? No. 
Nimrod was the individual in Genesis chapter 11 that gathered together all the people of the world and said, listen, I'm worried that we won't be connected. And he didn't believe in God. He was the founder of the Babylonian government, the Babylonian world. He said he didn't believe in God and wasn't a God follower. He wanted to bring connectivity without God. So he built a tower to Babel and he said, let us make a name for ourselves. Social media is often about narcissism and making a name for myself. The spirit of Nimrod, take a break from social media for a week. Jump back on and you'll be overwhelmed with the toxicity of that environment. You'll be overwhelmed with the narcissism. You'll be overwhelmed with the godlessness. You'll be overwhelmed with it all. Now, Ryan, am I saying it's all bad? No, we wouldn't be online today if it wasn't for social media. So thank God for YouTube and Facebook. But we have to remember something. Godly, Christ-centered people are not building these environments. And we need to do something about it. And here's my takeaway for this topic here today. Here's my takeaway for this part. You need to monitor and mentor. Take up digital discipleship. The, the, the answer is not to not let them be connected because this is not going away. This is our future. And you cannot hide in the bunker of your home forever. We have to take control of it. I'm gonna say this to you today. And the young people in the room might not like this. Parents, you have full right to take full control over your child's phone. Who bought the phone? You did. Who pays for it? You do. They ain't adults until they're 18. Well, what about privacy? They don't get privacy until they're 18. Some people aren't going to like that. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Take control of that device. Take control of it. Monitor it. Disciple them on it. They do not have the framework to deal with the, the incredible things. One big thing right now, it's got 5 billion more views than Joe Biden is called Witch Talk. The fastest growing TikTok hashtag is teaching young children about the occult. You look it up yourself. I ain't making this stuff up. <laughs> if we're not digitally discipling our children, a day will come when they will go to university, they will download the app, and they'll have no idea how to handle it. You must not be afraid of this. You must embrace it and understand it and search more about it and be diligent and be diligent and diligent to say, child, I'm going to, I'm going to disciple you in the way of digital reality. But here's my encouragement to your parents. You can't disciple your kids in the, in, in the safeties and the wisdom of social media if you aren't very good on social media. If it's controlling your life and you're addicted to it, you might need to pray. I'm just being really bold. I'm really sorry. But you need to pray to ask the Holy Spirit because he'll convict you. Stuff when we're posting online, the pictures we're posting, the things we're posting, you think your children are going to be any better? Oh my goodness, no. They're going to go 10 times farther than you go. So I encourage you as your pastor. I know I'm being really harsh and straight and I know people aren't going to like this and I know I'm going to get a lot of emails, but you need to be better about your social media, folks, because we cannot parent our children in social media unless you are just digitally discipled yourself. Ooh, when is this going to be over? Okay, last one here today. I love y'all. Friendships. Here is the bottom line for this. Friendships are the number one reason young people turn away from the living God. Now, do my kids have unbelieving friends? Yes, absolutely. They share Jesus, but there's something missing. There's something missing about that relationship. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 
Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 52. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled, parents. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. You need to understand something. You and I have a personal responsibility to make sure that our children are engaged in Christian friendships. Say, Ryan, where do I find that? At your church. We have a youth ministry every Wednesday night. They gather together. Right now, there's about 25, 27 young people. We've got a, young, a, 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 a great kids ministry your kids can go into. You need to cultivate Christian friendships for your children. Because if we don't cultivate Christian friendships with our children, our children are impressionable and impacted by peers. Kids today are on social media because of FOMO, the, the fear of missing out. And all my friends use Snapchat to tell me where they're going. So encourage your friends. Dude, I'm not on Snapchat. Just send me a text. If they're your friend, they'll text you. If they don't text you, I'm sorry, you're not friends. <laughs> they didn't like you very much. We have to be really, really uh, ardent to make sure that, yes, our kids can be friends with unbelievers who don't know the Lord. Of course, we want them to know Jesus. But there's something missing. When our young people are learning and growing from individuals who don't have a foundation for God, and we pray that they will, but we must cultivate Christian friendships for our children. And that's not just going to happen at Christian school. Trust me. Many of you went to Christian school and they were worse off than kids at public school. You need to do that. It happens right here in the context of your local church. I want to encourage you. Bring your kids to church. Let them sit in the service. Let them be in this environment. Let them go to Wednesday nights. Let them come to the events we plan. Why do we plan these things? So your children can be in the house of the Lord. So they can encourage one another. The context of this verse as I end today is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And people were doubting the resurrection of Jesus. And Paul said, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, our religion, our faith is useless. And he comes down to the very bottom of this text and says, this is the mindset of people who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. This is the only life we have. This is what life's all about. There's no afterlife. There's no future. So we're just gonna do whatever we wanna do. And he says, parents, be careful. If your children are spending time with people who don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this will become their mindset. Let's eat, let's drink, because tomorrow we die. No, bad company corrupts good morals. Make sure your children are spending time with other children that believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that believe that Jesus Christ is the, is the living God, the way, the truth, and the life. Teach your children this, please, because if we don't teach them, somebody else is going to teach them something else. We have this responsibility, but you don't need to be afraid. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He overcame the world, amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you for letting me take a little bit of extra time as we talk about this idea today. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I just want to pray. I want to pray for anyone in the room today who's here and doesn't know Jesus. Doesn't have a personal relationship with him today. With every eye closed, if you're in the room and you'd like to start a relationship with Christ today, You'd like to start a relationship with him. It's very simple. You just got to put your hand in the air. I'm not going to pull you forward. I just want to see who I'm praying for. You're here today and you want to know the Lord and you want to start a personal relationship with him. Just put your hand in the air real quick and then you can put it right back down and I'll pray for you. Want anybody in the room today want to give their life to Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. 
Come on, Father, we just pray, Lord, for these folks today. What I pray is we're in the atmosphere of God. They would know that, Jesus, you are a loving, faithful, compassionate God. And I pray, Lord, as they heard this parenting series today, they would know that, God, you love them. You want a relationship with them. You care for them. And you want to, have a, you want to start a journey with them today. I pray that we would, they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, Jesus Christ, that you are God, you're Lord. I pray for the parents in this room. I pray for strength. I pray for those who are praying to be parents or those who are adopting or fostering or those who are in any environment like this, God. We pray you'd be with them. Give them strength. Give them hope to know that, God, our children are going to serve the Lord. And we pray today, Father, for those who have wayward children. We pray that they would come back to you, Lord. They come back into a relationship with you. They come back to a place of serving you, God, and that they would return to a personal relationship with you. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. In Jesus Christ, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.